0: Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Well, thank you for the encouragement. I haven't even started yet. It's pretty good. Okay. Well, let me pray, because particularly what I'm going to talk about today, um, you don't really want it to come from me, we want it to come from the Lord. Okay, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much um, that you are Lord and Saviour. Lord God, we just thank you that you've made a way for us um, to come from our human condition um, and into your kingdom as children of the Most High God. Father, I just pray that the words that come from my mouth today would be yours and that there would be understanding also for the ears um, that hear it. We thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So, my name is um, Mark Schoon, which I've already been announced, um, and it's just a real pleasure to be here. Now, I've got a, a couple of photos here, actually. I don't know if it comes online, but... It's debatable if, it does, if it's good or not. Anyway, um, you might not miss out on anything. But here's a photo of my family. Um, we have been um, on... Well, I've been on long service leave for quite a few weeks. And before that, I was on holidays. And here's a, a picture only taken about three weeks, three, maybe four weeks now. And this was um, in um, Tasmania. And it was quite a, a beautiful time with the family. Um, I love getting out into um, God's creation and just seeing um, his, his, um, his, his creation. Now, I'm um, a leader of a, um, a school, um, and it's a Christian school, so I have big responsibilities in, in terms of um, kids' education, um, their wellbeing, but also their spiritual development as well. And for many people in leadership, wherever the industry is, the last two years have been pretty full-on, haven't they? And it's very easy for us just to get on the, get on the, 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 uh, the treadmill kind of thing and just, and just keep on making decisions and, and just getting through day after day. And so I kind of found myself in that, in that spot. And so um, I needed to take a bit of time out and really just kind of reflect on um, me, myself, as a Christian, what I'm actually um, doing here. So I had this question about thriving in a broken world. And so, I don't know about you, but I, I do check the news, and we, we see all sorts of news that goes it, it, is out there, um, and it's and it's quite upsetting to see the things um, that we do to each other. Um, also, it's also upsetting to see um, church in churches and things like that. We see in the news different things that happen there as, as, as well, and um, and you think, oh, what, what is what is going on? And so today I want to just talk to you about this whole idea of there's a battle that continues to wage a rage within us. Um, And it's between the flesh and the spirit. And we're going to talk about this this concept of flesh and the spirit. Now, as I was going on my long service leave, um, I've been been really privileged to be able to do quite a few different things. And one of them was... um, Before um, my long service leave, I actually went up to Tenderfield to celebrate my mum's 70th and I do now, I was actually thinking about today, it was also my parents' 50th anniversary Um, and I think they'll be watching this online, so hi mum and dad. Um, But um, we hired this big house in Tenderfield um, and all the family um, came together and we celebrated um, mum and also mum and dad and their marriage and it was really, really great. Um, I don't know about if you've ever actually travelled up into Tenterfield, but we took this um, from Gloucester to, um, up, up through to Armadale called the Thunderbolts Way, and it is one of the most gorgeous um, bits of road. And when you get up onto the, the Highland Plains, you go into this, this huge, vast expanse of scenery. Um, Tasmania as well. So many huge, big Epic, big sky kind of moments, I call it, big horizons, and you can see off to the distance. And so very much today, my message isn't going to be focusing on something that is like a specific question. We're going to be taking a really big sky approach because we're going to be talking about this human condition, about battle between flesh and spirit. Okay, so I've got another picture up here. Context is everything. This picture I I like because it shows, like, the best of humans. Here we've got two um, people on opposite sides in in a war. Um, One being captured but being looked after. But if you look at a different site, you now see the worst. So the captor being dominated... But we need to be able to actually have a look at um, the whole picture to be able to understand, really, the context, Okay, So today we're going to take a really big step back. We're going to take a big sky moment and we're going to um, just explain about um, why is is it hard to thrive in the world and why is this battle that continues to happen? Okay, so we're going to use this framework, Okay, and it's called God's Big Story. Now, God's Big Story is a framework that we use um, in, our, in our school um, and a lot of Christian schools through, throughout Australia. And it's a framework or, a, or so much like a lens that we help um, kids read scripture through, but also it helps our teachers um, teach from a biblical perspective um, and, and to lead kids through um, through the different parts of the scripture, trying to to reveal Jesus in all things. Now, one really radical thing that happened to me in my 20s is I someone said to me one day, said, Mark, every piece of scripture relates to Jesus. Somehow it relates to Jesus. And that blew my mind because I don't know if I actually heard that before. Maybe I did, didn't take it in, but that day I did. And it revolutionised how I saw scripture, because the Bible is actually God's big story. It's a story of him creating the world, us wrecking the world, and then God coming back to actually then fix, okay? And so we go through these four main kind of seasons, you could also call it, through scripture. And so the first one is fall. We then have um, this, um, sorry, creation. Then we have fall. Then we have um, redemption and then restoration. So we'll just go through those now. So the first one is creation. So Genesis um, was written, um, we believe, by Moses. There's a pretty big consensus of that. But the problem with the first couple of chapters of Genesis um, was actually um, no one was around. Okay, and so, um, and we also know that the first couple of chapters of Genesis are completely different in their style. Okay, and so, um, as we read Genesis, um, it's actually God telling us what He wants to know, what, what He wants us to know about creation, and the big picture items here, and we can get hung up on um, some of detail, okay, as Christians, and that's all right. We can, we can talk through those kind of things. But there's a really big picture thing here that we have to take notice of, and it's God created the world, and when he created the world, he said it was good. Not only did he say it was good, when he created man, and when they say mankind, That definition is actually he made them male-female. So I'm sorry, guys, you don't actually get mankind as your thing, okay? It's actually a, a term that we use to describe us as humans, okay? But when God made mankind, he said not only was it good, he said it was very good. So in that there's also a distinction between the things that God made before And then when he made you, okay, there's a distinction. Very good. Then, and there we've got the scripture there, Genesis 131, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was um, morning, and then that was the sixth day. Then God rested. Um, There's probably a little bit of a thing we could talk about there about also the need for us as as humans to rest as well. But that's another um, sermon one day. The next thing, four. So what happens? So God gives us choice. He gives us free choice. Okay? We are not robots. Um, God desires a relationship with us, but for us to have a relationship with God, we have to have a choice. So free choice is given to us. And God sets up um, a, rule, a, a rule. Pretty much, he gives Adam and Eve this beautiful garden. Um, and then he just said, there's just one tree you must not eat from. And of course, um, Adam and Eve decided to eat from that tree. Now, it's very easy to kind of think, well, how, how does that kind of affect me? But the point of it is, is that um, when they actually disobeyed God, that is what we call Sin. And because Adam and Eve were the original, our our, our original mum and our dad, okay, um, sin entered the world through that actual um, decision. And because we are offspring, we are also under that. And we're going to talk now a little bit through this whole fall part, just to help us kind of unpack that a bit more. What of note there is that in the first bit of disobedience, there was then a breakdown in relationship. Um, and um, Adam, being a highly talented man, um, when God questioned him on saying, "Well, what, what have you done?" He goes, "The woman that you put in the garden made me do it, pretty much. Made me do it. G- gave me the gave me the um, gave me the fruit, um, but made me do it." And so, in that one sentence, Adam immediately isolated not only himself from Eve, but also God. Good going. Okay? Um, and so there was immediately a breakdown in relationship. Then we go on through um, Genesis, and we read about Cain and Abel, and we then talk, and then we learn that Cain um, murders Abel. And so we've got this concept that sin leads to death. We have this whole idea of Adam and Eve being um, pushed, pulled out of the garden um, and being a separation between God. And us, and as we then read through um, the Old Testament, it's then a, it's a story of actually our human nature, and this is where we get the concept of flesh, okay? Because we are, and we belong here on earth because we have flesh, but that flesh is corrupted. So as we read through Scripture. We, see, we read all of these stories about men and women trying to get things right, but in the, but in the end of it, we just treat each other appallingly. So much so that um, there's passage in, in Genesis where God just sees the way that we're treating each other and the evil um, that we're just so easy to do. Um, he says that um, he wished he never... Um, He had never created us. And of course, then the flood came. God, in his graciousness, um, um, just kept Noah and his family. The flood wiped out the world. Noah um, and his family are rescued. They then um, are put into um, pretty much a a reset world, really. And straight away, as we read in the next chapter, after Noah um, comes off the boat, um, sin comes into the world. As we keep on going through, we read of um, um, people that um, put people into slavery um, and force them to um, build um, cities and and things like that. We read of um, nations um, rising up and and completely destroying other nations. We read of um, relationships in families of just sordid, just awful kind of relationships that happen All of these things are the result of flesh. And then we get to Psalm 137, which is one of the most saddest psalms I think you can read. Um, And I think it also gets falsely um, um, thought about, really. See, the people um, of of God, which were the Israelites, um, decided they wanted to continue to follow um, their own ways. And in that They not only were worshiping different gods, okay, but they were also treating and mistreating their own people, um, appallingly. And so God sent the Babylonians over and conquered them. And when the Babylonians conquered nations, we saw the very worst of human um, existence. And so um, uh, there would be people would just be murdered. There would be rape, and that would be done in front of family members, and then some of the family members were then um, taken away. And so, in Psalm 137, we read of this guy who is um, being taken captured um, from, from Jerusalem um, by the Babylonians, and they're by this, this, this river. And his captors say, Sing us a merry song. Sing us one of your lovely songs that, um, that, that we, we, you, know, you, you guys sing. This guy is traumatized. He has witnessed the death, the destruction, probably of his family members. He has seen appalling things and he's traumatized. And at the end of the scripture, uh, under this psalm, he he says, um, Happy is those who dash the infants um, on on the rocks. And he's talking about his captives. Now, that is not the Bible actually talking about inficide, okay? It's actually expressing a guy who is at his very Bottom. He's got nowhere to go. And so the flesh then just mentions and, and says something that is just absolutely unthinkable. So we're in this spot with the flesh where we are unable to actually treat each other well. We are broken. In Romans, it says that the wages of our sin is death. And Jesus then also said in John 8 that um, truly, truly I say to you, um, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And so what Jesus means by that is that we are captive to that sin. So in this human condition, we are now marred by sin, death, decay, fractured relationships, alienation and power struggles are consequences of sin. And sin affects not only the person doing it, but it also affects the innocent. And we also see that in our world. We become slaves to our flesh. Sin distorts our ability even to discern what is truthful and actually how to act. And we're very easy to be able to justify our actions. And how often do we see that with people being caught out on things and they're trying to justify why they did it? Because we don't want to know ourselves as um, somehow inferior or trapped in sin. Um, so we make all sorts of dis- excuses. We don't really like to see and think of ourselves in this way. So I just want you to ponder a few little things, okay, that, that, that I just observe around the place. The first one, have you had a two-year-old in your house? And what I mean by that is, is in, in, when, when kids are two, we call it the terrible twos. Um, it, it is the age of tantrums. What's happening? Um, it's where the ch- children are unable to regulate um, themselves. And so when some simple insignificant thing that you think is insignificant, it's like the end of the world to that, to that child. And so where, what does their, their emotions do? They don't stay here. They go up like this. Okay, That is an observation of just... Our flesh, okay, that's in all of us. As, hu- uh, as, as adults, we tend to be a little bit more regulated, but that also comes up. Maybe when someone cuts us off in the, um, in, um, on the road or something like that or someone does something that really hurts you, um, we can act in ways um, where we don't regulate ourselves, we just react. Why do governments rarely... Um, um, r- rarely win a fourth, success, um, fourth term of government. It is incredibly rare for a government um, to, to go through, um, get, get, get into their fourth um, term of government. And why? Um, because power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. It's a saying that we know. Okay? And so politicians come into, um, into parliaments generally to help people. That is a very common thing. They want to serve their community. But what happens is the mechanisms of government and power, um, it becomes less about serving community, but actually then serving um, ourselves. And you can just see so many different um, examples of that. And it's why people vote out um, third-term governments. It's very rare for a fourth-term government. Um, Why don't we learn from history? History is all about human nature and about what we do with each other. We know the results of what wars do. We've we've got so much data, but yet we continue to go down the same track. And it's because our human nature is continuing to um, guide in our responses. Um, The brokenness and degradation of of our environment, you can see that also. And that's also the results of Um, our um, inability to actually care for um, for, for what God has created for us here on earth as well. So, we're in a mess. The good news is redemption comes through Jesus. And so as we read through the scripture, we have the New Testament, the Gospels. Jesus, God's son, comes to earth... Um, to pay for our sins. Now he does that because we've, um, we know that the wages of sin or, or sin um, is death. And so Jesus came, God's very own, God's, God's son came, died for our sins so that we would have a way to break free from the flesh and live life in him. And we call that life in the Spirit, John 3.16 is a very famous scripture verse, but I love 17. It says here, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So have a think about that. God creates the world. Creation. We sin, and fall comes comes through the world, and then we have um, this um, story and, 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 and of what we've been doing with each other, unable to to to, um, to lift ourselves out of this fallen state, and then God comes back, and then and says, "All right, I'm going to make a way for you um, to be redeemed, for me to be redeemed." Paul says in Ephesians 1, 7 um, to 8, in him we have redemption through his blood. This is Jesus, Jesus' blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses, so that sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished, lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So, here we now have a transition. Okay? We have... The ability to be living in our fallen state, and we can choose to continue to live in that fallen state. Jesus then comes to bring um, redemption, which means um, forgiveness. It's a it's a it's a legal term. Okay, it's paying actually the penalties for our for our sins. And then this is where we find ourselves then as Christian in this next stage, where it is It's restoration. So we have people in the world still living in a fallen state, and so sin continues to run rampant. But then Jesus comes, he then pays the price, and so then accepting Jesus into our lives, accepting that he is Lord and Saviour and he's paid the sins, paid for my sins, I then can have a new life in Jesus, and we call this restoration. But there's a catch. Restoration is now, but it's also later. Okay? Restoration begins when you give your life to Jesus. Okay? But it will not be complete until either Jesus returns and takes you to heaven or we die. And the saved who die die, will then go to heaven. And then that actual restoration will be complete. So what is this restoration? So Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians. And he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, a person who has accepted Jesus into their life, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Many um, preachers call it the old man or old woman and the new man or new woman. Okay, the old person, the new. The old is the flesh. The new is the spirit. But how does this life in the spirit kind of work? Well, then Paul talks a bit about it again. Actually, he talks a lot about it, I should say, but this is just a selected verse that I've got here. 1 Corinthians. In him Jesus, that's Jesus, You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, that is what Jesus has done for you, of your salvation and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So what Paul is saying here is not only did you accept, did you receive forgiveness for your sins through Jesus, But those who accept Jesus into their life are then given the Holy Spirit. This is God's Spirit who comes into our life and teaches us how to live a life for Jesus. And it actually starts to what we call um, changes our nature, changes it from an earthly flesh nature into a nature of God. And so the things that used to, we used to struggle with no longer become the issue because we are now becoming a new person. And that work is done through the Holy Spirit. But notice here Paul also says that it's a guarantee of your inheritance, okay, which you will acquire. So what he's saying is, yes, we are now in this restoration phase, but it's a process and it won't finish until... You are with the Father in heaven. So why is this struggle? Why do we see Christians um, have, who, who do amazing, mighty things um, in this world and then yet um, have this, this fallen nature? Um, they do things that you go, oh, wow. Um, why, why do they do that for? Um, so it's because we have this struggle between the flesh and the Spirit, it still rages between, uh, between the two of us, okay? So Galatians 5.16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. So the Spirit and the flesh are opposed, Okay? So to, um, and they try to keep you from doing the things that you know are right, okay? Um, but we do them anyway. And so we have this flesh versus spirit. So really, I want to now t- switch over to this, this thing about what does it mean to live um, by the spirit? How do we actually um, conquer the flesh? If Jesus has already paid for our sins, we've received the Holy Spirit we've become a new person, why is it still an issue for us? So let's have a look at what living in the Spirit is, what it looks like. So Galatians 5.22 says that but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And by what he, what he means by there is no law is that God handed down the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament and it was um, law that was impossible to keep. Everyone fell short of it. And that's why Jesus then had to come to pay for our sins so we were no longer guilty of the things that we've done because he'd paid the price. And then through the Holy Spirit, we're then able to then live um, a life in Jesus in the Spirit. So how good would it be to have this in your life all the time? Love, joy, peace. Peace would be great, wouldn't it? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Um, These things are are the things that we have in life in the spirit. But the flesh wants to kick in still. Sexual immorality, um, impurities sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. That's an interesting one, isn't it? With all those really big things and it says fits of anger. Um, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Okay? All of these different things are actually the works of the flesh and they still want to rise up. Now we're getting along in a bit of time here, and so I want to wrap up. One illustration I want to just um, just quickly talk you through is of Lazarus, and this is in John 11. Um, you can look it up later, or you can look it up now if, if you like. but I'm only going to quickly and, and talk, talk through it. Lazarus was one of Jesus' um, friends and also disciple. Um, he was the brother of Martha and Mary, and there's quite a bit written about Martha and Mary um, in, in, the, in the New Testament. News came to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And um, so they sent a messenger and just said, Lazarus is is sick. We know that you can heal him from sickness. Because they've seen Jesus heal people from sickness. Jesus deliberately doesn't go. In fact, he waits four days to go see Lazarus. In that time, Lazarus dies. He's buried, wrapped up in, in, gray, uh, in, in um, they don't embalm people, they just wrap them up and they put, put, put him into a, um, a tomb, which is a cave, rolled the rock over. Um, and when Jesus turned up to Lazarus' house, um, the people are uh, mourning his death. And so um, the sisters um, find out that Jesus um, is there they're upset, said, so, you know, if you were here, you could, have, you could have healed him. And so Jesus goes to the grave and he says, Lazarus, get up and walk. Before he did that, he actually he said to roll the rock, rock away. Um, and there was disagreement on that because they said it's been four days, he's, he's dead, he's going to stink. He's going to stink. So here we've got this idea of flesh rotting, decaying. Jesus says, Lazarus, rise up and walk. Lazarus comes out. But Lazarus is still in his grave clothes. So Lazarus has been raised by Jesus. And so we say then life in the spirit. He's now a new creation, new life. But his grave clothes are still on him. Now, what do they do? They start to unwrap his grave clothes. He's no longer restricted by the old flesh. And that's very much like us. We are new creations in Christ, but the old flesh wants to wage war. Okay, it wants to wage war with us. Okay, so thriving in um, the world really means about freedom and purpose in Jesus. Freedom and purpose, okay, happens by living in the Spirit and waging war. On the sin, on, sorry, on, on the flesh. Okay? So freedom and purpose happens by living in the spirit and raging war on the flesh. So how do we do that? The first thing is to acknowledge that through Jesus, the flesh has been defeated, and that is important. Okay? Um, it is a mindset that we have to have, that you no longer have to conform to the things that used to hold you back, because now in Jesus, you have been given a new life okay he's defeated it and then we've got this scripture here that says and those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified the flesh with its passions and desires okay it's been crucified the next thing is to understand that the flesh will try to do battle it's like a counter-offensive it's been defeated but not all of the enemy combatants have been mopped up Okay, and they will still try to launch um, counter-offensives. John Piper gives this great quote, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has landed um, to do battle with the flesh. So stay, take heart if your soul feels like a battlefield. If you feel like you're having this battle between good and evil, you want to live for Jesus. That is actually a sign of the Holy Spirit working in you. Okay? That is actually the, 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 the condition of a Christian. We are in this battle, okay? Um, The last thing here um, is um, know your freedom is only found in Christ, okay? So it's not by you striving to do it. It's actually through Jesus. So I've got a quote here by a guy called George Mueller. George Mueller was an amazing, amazing guy of prayer. Um, I think he had um, 120 plus... Um, Schools for orphans, 120,000 kids apparently through his his ministry um, back in the late 19th century. Um, Great man of prayer. And here he says, um, I saw more clearly than ever that the first and great primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how much I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state, and how my inner man might be nourished. Now, what is the food for the inner man? Not prayer, but the word of God. Now, this is pretty extraordinary because um, George Mueller was known as a great and mighty man of prayer. He used to pray about pretty serious like really serious stuff and god would time and time and time again would answer him but what he's saying here is that um for for us to be nourished yes prayer is critical because that's where we place ourselves at the feet of jesus every day but we've also got to study the scripture and understand god's big story okay because it tells us who we are where we've come from where we're heading Okay, It is so important. So we might just get um, the musicians up, please. So here we've got just a few little pointers of how we do that. And this really comes down to my experience of how to really live um, in in the spirit. And it's a daily surrender, a daily surrender to the Lord, acknowledging that he is king and I can't do it. It's only through him that I've been freed from my flesh. Okay? Um, and that runs then into the acknowledgement that he is Lord and Saviour. The next thing is that we need to actually have time um, and spend time with the Lord. And I noted that in our LifeGate survey, there was something about 25% of people were spending um, between six and seven um Days a week with the Lord in prayer and scripture, 25%. If we are serious about waging war on the flesh, because it will continue to come back, even when you are a Christian and you're living in the spirit, you need to spend the time in God's word, in prayer, to fight the flesh. So we're going to go into a a time of prayer. The last thing I just wanted to just reflect on is this whole idea of soil. Um, in the Bible, God, uh, Jesus talked about this parable about um, the, the, the parable of, of, of the, um, the sower and the, and, and the soil. And we had um, seeds that um, fell on the path, really bad soil, nothing kind of happened, birds of the air just ate it because it couldn't get into the, to the ground. Um, we had seed that fell onto um, rocky soil. The seeds sprouted because a bit of rain came, but then because they couldn't get their roots in, okay. Um, and when we say about roots, that would be actually you know in scripture and prayer, okay. It didn't grow. Then some landed on some decent soil, but then there were weeds everywhere that then strangled it out. And that's very much like that we're in, this, in a world now where we've got so many things that can actually draw us away in our attention. Um, we can binge on Netflix now. We don't have to wait like every week to watch a, a series. We can just spend all this time on it. Um, when we wake up in the morning, there are so many different options we can be doing instead of actually spending some time taking care of our soul with the Lord. Instead, read the news or see what's happening. And then we've got the good soil. And so my question really is, what really makes good soil? A farmer has to till the soil to make it good. The farmer is Jesus. And we need to allow him to actually till that soil in us so that we can also bear fruit. Let's... um, get into a bit of a time of prayer. We're going to sing. And I'd just like you to reflect on this whole battle. Are you winning it or are you losing it? Okay. Is there um, there things that we need to kind of work through today um, with the Lord? Yeah, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much um, that you not only created this wonderful world, but then in our most helpless state, After making our own decisions, you then sent your son Jesus to then um, pay for our sins and then make a new way for us then to be restored back into your family. Father God, we thank you that you not only gave forgiveness for our sins, but you then gave the Holy Spirit to teach us, to equip us, to correct us and to guide us in how to live a life for you in the Spirit. So, Lord God, we just thank you so much that you have given us victory and that you have given us freedom and you have given us purpose in Jesus to be doing and living the life that you want for us. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So you may be a person right now thinking, gee, I don't know Jesus. I was a young guy um, I think I about 17 and I saw about 200 people come to know Jesus, young people, I was on a mission trip and I realised that um, growing up in the Christian church, I knew of Jesus, I knew what he'd done but I didn't know him and for you um, there is forgiveness and there is a new life you may be a, um, a person that has had um, life with Jesus um, but He's calling you to come back to your first love, to not live in the flesh and for, for me do, but for God to do. And so I want to invite you now. If you're online, I'm going to say goodbye to you now. But if you would like prayer, please click the the. Um, the... Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.